Welcome to all Scholar Podcast listeners. My name is Sugaima Furuku. I'm a member of the podcast team of the Scholar Network. We apologize for not being on the radars lately. It seems this time of the year, flu and call attack even the strongest of us. Our guest today, whom I had the chance to interview last week, is Gu Xi, Chief Marketing Officer of Higgs Technology, an AI education company using adaptive technology to transform Chinese education scene and create an ecosystem for lifelong growth and learning. She is also widely known as a co-founder of women tech community TechCat. As part of her activities to bring more women into the tech sector, she became a member of China Tech Alliance, initiated China's first women tech conference, Techie Festival, received a Women Impact Award 2016 by Share China, and was featured in Apple's global campaign, Behind the Mac. We've had a very interesting talk both on and off record, which allowed us to trace Gucci's growth and professional journey. From a Tsinghua student interested in learning coding to a co-founder and marketing officer of a 100-employee AI company. What does it feel like to work in a hectic Chinese 996 working week environment with colleagues whose average age is only 23? How does Chinese innovation ecosystem differ from that in the West? How does coding help in a marketing job? Guxi gave us some really interesting insights into these and other questions while sharing her own plans for the future. We are now curious to watch her further achievements and hope you are too after listening to this episode. Enjoy! So thank you for accepting our invitation and coming here. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. It's very nice. And could you please, first of all, introduce yourself? Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Gushi, and I am CMO of Higgs Technology. And I co-founded First Women Tech Community, Techie Cat, in China. And it's such a just tremendous pleasure to be here and talking to you guys and share my experience um, in tech industry and also in education industry because uh, my previous experience is focusing on teaching women to code and uh, programming and playing with robots and then I switched that and I um, co-founded Higgs and which is another education platform that we teach high school students could talk to our students and middle school high school kids mathematics so it's still about teaching and still highly related to technology so i wouldn't say i changed my path but um in a different way Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you are now working on a company developing an education application which uses ai technology tell us a bit more about it what is the company's mission when did you and your partners establish it and what is your position over there yeah uh, as i just mentioned i'm a cmo chief uh, marketing officer for higgs and Higgs Technology is an AI education company believing that adaptive technology has huge potential to transform what's possible in education and deliver long-lasting impact to our lifelong growth. So we developed this algorithm um, spending three years uh, to finally deliver this product and we could highly raise efficiency for students to learn mathematics using and applying adaptive learning, which means uh, every student, every individual students will have different learning path. 
so you don't need to exercise that much to do that much of a homework to draw out a personal studying line. And that's how we apply this technology to detect a loophole of your knowledge base or knowledge graph and to know how you personally could improve from your previous learning experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you arrive at the decision to open this company? Yeah, I actually I, uh, I joined as a co-founder and uh, it was a very interesting experience because my partners, the uh, they started it, they had this idea, they incubated this idea back in Tsinghua campus. And we were studying and being TA at the professor, Ben Ku, who basically devoted like most of his lifetime to lifelong learning. And um, so we, we, I was, I inherited this values, work values, life values from him. And we believe that technology will play a very crucial role in this lifelong learning experience. And after the three years theoretical study, uh, we found more and we are in this chaotic business environment in Beijing, which kind of make everybody actions about building up something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also on, on the platform um, provided by Tsinghua, it kind of makes everything easier to register a company and start to do things and to transfer uh, originally a, a academic idea into a underground uh, business execution plan. So um, after like several years of, um, I would say three years of practice, of like theory, study, um, we somehow managed a way to make it into a proper company idea. Yeah, and then I joined the team and started to take care of the marketing part and to really expand to apply it to a real market instead of like an imagined one. Mm-hmm. And that's how we start to see the real response from our users, from our partners. And then here we go, like mm-hmm. <laughs> as a company with 100 people, uh, employees. And so I would say it's like a long time. You were like, you had this original idea and you started to polish it. Mm-hmm. Could you please then elaborate more on China's classic 996 working mode and <laughs> how you cultivate company culture and talent vibe in tech startups here under tremendous working pressure? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting because I remember several months ago, there were like news everywhere, even spread out to the US mm-hmm. and say Chinese companies, especially tech companies. They have like crazy working hours from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. They work six days a week. And we were so calm because it's it's our working mode. (laughs) (laughs) So we start from 10 a.m. It's like flexible from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. You can just come whenever um, between these two time slots. And then we usually leave. I don't know about other departments, but for my team, when we leave around like 8, 9-ish, so it's like pretty, I, w- I would agree, pretty long working hours mm-hmm. mm, and six days a week. So we usually spend our Saturdays um, having those meetings. So we don't want meetings to be uh, in the way of us being productive in usual working days. So we just like plan all the meetings, like weekly meetings, management meetings on Saturdays. Because mm-hmm. in that day, our partners or um, other counterparts, they don't work anyway. So you won't do this communication. So you do this internal uh, confession, this um, 
summary thing, mm-hmm. and um, it's pretty productive. Mm-hmm. And I think my team, the whole company, has embraced it gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, would you say there's no complaints? Uh-huh. Um, well, so far I haven't heard any. <laughs> oh, that's perfect then. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about like we have this goal in mind, and it's a joint goal, and everybody knows that. So they're not just being a small part of a huge plan, not knowing what we're heading to. But they know exactly where is it, where where are we going, and what's the direction. So they are willing to devote this much of a time, and they're happy to be in this environment, because working for a startup, number one, I would say the most important thing is you believe in company's belief, you believe in the team, and you're willing to spend this amount of time with this team. Because imagine like you spend, uh, I would say eleven hours, in the office. And then you have very limited amount of time to go back home and just stay like, for your private life. So what if you're not happy to spend this amount of time with your colleagues? How can you be happy generally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the number one rule that I. That's why I spend a lot of time thinking about cultivating a very good and vibrant com- company culture. So they will feel okay. I'm growing. I'm constantly learning from my counterparts, from my colleagues, and from management team, or even from my other departments. And I also can see obvious growth. And each growth, I personally make huge contribution to, and that means a lot to each employee. Oh my god, that's very nice. Could you also share inside stories of working in a one hundred people size startup with average age of twenty three? Yeah, <laughs> it was just that like a like a, a calculation mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago, and I was also surprised because I was born in nineteen ninety five, so a bit older than our average age, <laughs> and our our employees are all pretty young, and this is the thing that I love the most. Uh, if you come to office, you come to uh, like the physical office. You will instantly feel the vibe, the aura, in the air mm-hmm. that young people would have. That they are always eager to learn, and they're pretty straightforward. So you don't need to play that many management games. I would say, and just tell them what the goal I set for you. And what's the path you're designing? And we could work together for the path, but the uh, the ultimate purpose is to achieve the goal, and that's everything. We just put everything on the table, and also you will see if you work with such a young team, everything moves so fast, and you can be so flexible. That's even beyond my original imagination. How we react to the market. How we react to our uh, uh, business partners, and how we do all of this summary, this review, work review, because that's I was the number one company culture is doing this constant review. Even you've done it perfectly, or even you achieved the goal, the goal that we set originally. But if you still there are like some mistakes you made, or we could have done better, then we will still sit down with the whole team and do the review. It's not even like performance review. It has nothing to do with your personal performance, but how we could do better next time. And that I think belongs to a young team because they're always empty themselves to embrace new things. And what is your actually like future plan? Because、mm-hmm. you are the one who's leading this、yeah. idea actually.、Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, um, I'm leading the company together with my partners, mm-hmm. uh, so we are running the company as a team, which is the best. Right? You always have somebody to share the pressure, the joy of running a company and see the growth of the company. And when we talk about growth, I think it's essential for us to show the growth each step where we made to the employees. It's, you're not owning the company, you're owning the team. And the team is the, asset, the core asset of the company. So especially their young people. And for Chinese, we always talk about how to manage post-90 employees because they're just, if you make them pissed, they will just leave the company. We don't care about like staying so-called responsibility. And so how you encourage them to believe in what you believe. And it's about not in information sharing. It's about personality. It's about if you are a um, proper leader. And when I talk about leader, it's not giving orders, it's to lead. And that's very crucial. And I think um, most of the leaders have made this mistake that they, okay, I'm the commander, so I give out the orders and others just to follow and execute. But when you are running a startup, it's all about how you execute the plan that you made for the company. And you are the first practitioner. And that's what we will always been doing so far uh, for the past two, three years. And second is um, <laughs> company culture. Number two is we have this shadial culture. It means you are like dumb. <laughs> we, we just call ourselves a dumb team. We're not like physically or mentally dumb because 30% of our employees graduated from Tsinghua and Peking University. So they're like top students. They're very good at what they're doing. But what if the reason why we call ourselves dump is um, we embrace this dump culture. We know that we start from zero, uh, from very young people who know nothing about business, about maybe um, product or about marketing. But we're more than willing to learn, to grow. And that's the, uh, the tone, the basic tone that we set for the whole team. And I think uh, the employee that, or the candidate who come to interview with us would have to believe in this first and then we'll start to push it forward to the next step. Uh, going back to AI technology application, are you releasing this application as a standalone product or are you planning cooperation with some educational institutions? Mm, we developed this um, application as a standalone, but uh, we work. We also work with other business partners who already has a application. So we will install in as a SDK. So that means we work as a function. It's a part of their application. So we are pretty open. As I mentioned, we're pretty flexible as we have this um, strength advantage of developing of the algorithm and of um, this uh, like design a new application mm-hmm. strength. So we're open to that. So it really depends on what's need we receive from our business partner. Mm-hmm. You are known to many as a founder of TechiCat, a Beijing-based community which provides women with space and opportunities to learn coding skills. How does this experience of yours help you in your current work? The most obvious advantage or the, the thing that I can use immediately is my coding skills because uh, working as a CMO of a tech company doesn't just require you to talk to introduce the product to um, outside but also to truly fundamentally in understand the basic coding the basic layout of the product 
So you can sit down with the product team, with the algorithm team even, to discuss over the details. So you could maybe more accurately convey the message and information you collect from the market and make it into a language that your team could understand. Because usually if you have this misunderstanding between different uh, departments because you speak totally different languages, you might feel like you try hard enough to translate what the market says, but they don't understand because they're not collecting the same amount of information as you're doing, and they don't understand it from their perspective. So for me, as a bridge, I could do that, I would say, more precisely and more efficiently. That's very important. And second is, I would say, they, it just by all means adds color to the presentation I make each time, because I understand product. So when I introduce the product, uh, according to our partners and also according to my colleagues. This is like the environment I'm creating, this space I'm creating, this matrix I'm creating, and everybody is here listening to me and believe in why I'm doing it. So that's why they call, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that explains why, because I truly believe it. And that's based on the understanding of the product. Let's look at the bigger picture or a bigger market, if you will. Nowadays, China seems to be a particularly exciting place to work at the intersection of education and tech sectors. There's a high demand for e-learning platforms, not only among the younger population, but also the adults who pursue opportunities to hone their skills and be competitive on the labor market. As a day-to-day -day participant in these processes, how competitive has Chinese to tech scene been so far for your company? Um, to be honest, I haven't really, because we focus on domestic K-12 students market. So we always focus on college extreme examination, and we focus on middle school students. Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we are pretty much doing a total domestic product instead of like looking outside. Uh, so I don't really know uh, like what, what, what is like the ecosystem out there in other countries. But we do know that what comes as the most advanced um, tech worldwide and I would say the most different thing um, is the market demand because for us for Chinese it's totally exam driven and this notorious um, Gaokao or maybe effective Gaokao uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> has created a lot of industry uh, to be honest and students they are all pushed by the by how they design Gaokao because there are still new policies coming out every year and they try to make it more like a um, performance-based test instead of just like a score on papers test. And that creates new tracks and new ecosystems, edu education ecosystems here. And that also, I would say, cultivate the, the space, the, the dust for new tech. So um, in US, as far as I know, it's more of a tech-driven, like we have this technology, we developed this technology, and we're now thinking about how to make it into a product. But now we collect in back here in China, we know exactly what people need. Mm -hmm. So based on the need, starting from the need, the demand, we start to design a product, and then we start to look at how we could achieve that. 
can our technology support that? So that's a different logic thinking way of doing that,、mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a really big difference. And、um, the other difference also comes from market, but it's market size.、Mm-hmm. If you look in China, China, the whole country,、um, uh, did the number images we we received is that seventy million high school students. Uh, like if you put the whole scope of the country, uh, they are going to go through this call call. So you already have this potential seventy million users for your product, and that's like huge. And that's only we were just looking at the schools, and not alone after school institutions. That's another same size market. So we never worry about the market. It's more about how this tech could be applied. Will it be accepted by the market? And is the market mature enough? So that's what we always think about. We don't,、um, as far as I know, as a practitioner in this industry, we don't really compete with、um, foreign products or compared to other markets or trying to be competitive in other market because education is just too fundamentally different infrastructure in different countries. And as long as I know, you had an opportunities to interact with both Chinese and foreign tech industry, including your participation in Apple's Behind the Mac campaign. And how would you compare Eastern and Western approaches to AI and tech? What are the commonalities, and where does China show acute difference?、Mm. Um. Well,、uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I've、um, visited Israel and United States and UK, so I get to know a little bit of like a bit everywhere.、Uh, what I feel the most is when Chinese invented a new word or a new trend, being popular here, it's a bubble like immediately created. Everybody going to pursue it. You will see new. Uh, like compound named Chanyeyuan, which means this compound is designed and made by the government just for the specific five G or blockchain, which is really counter blockchain, right? Blockchain is all about decentralization, and then they design this <laughs> compound, this whole working space for blockchain. That's just an example. So when you made a new word or or when you made a new trend, people are just rushing. And the crowding, and to want to be part of this new trend, so they're still opportunity driven and still seeking this new, rising,、um, glamorous stunt. <laughs> But、uh, for outside market,、uh, whichever country it may be, people seems to be a lot more calmer. That that's that's what I feel. So even this is like a new technology being adopted or being constantly talk about,、uh, like self driving,、uh, in U.S. Google still spends ten years working on that, and they wouldn't even call it mature enough to apply it to the market. But several years after,、um, you will see self driving companies start to uh, uh, embrace it, start to really switch. Their focus to self-driving, and then they're like, we are all in self-driving, and the whole company strategy just changed. This just、uh, allocate the whole team or the whole whole business unit to for all and to 
thrive and to really like hit this. So this is um more impulsive, I would say, to put a conclusion to that. And also in China, as an observer, um, if you want to feel or if you want to know what's trendy, what's in, um, you can just look at what main players are doing. You will used to call BAT, uh, TMD, these main players, Baidu, Tencent, Alibaba, ByteDance, DD, and Jingdong, these are like main players. They would like to step in every industry that you can imagine to build up this uh, the Shantai ecosystem again. And they want to be, they want to play a role in each field. So if you just all of a sudden feel like main players are playing it, yeah, this is like the in topic. This is the in industry. This is the eat IT industry, like really. So this is like a totally different environment that I've personally experienced. So um, how people, just back to your question, how people are um, driving or how using AI into tech, uh, it's just for, as we were talking, uh, AI is still very hot and in each industry. And in China, if you see like funding, investors are getting together and they're like having this conference talking about AI education, that's in, because money is here. And when money's here, entrepreneurs are here, companies are here, and then they start to make this bubble even bigger. And then maybe next year following up, it'll be what we call xiao nian, which means like people start to become, and they start to think about, oh, maybe we're just being too irrational, so we need to calm down. So um, usually in China, money comes first, and then we, come, we, we start to focus on product, and then start to think or to estimate if the market is big enough for our ambition. And are you planning any expansion beyond China? You know, Russia and FCU countries are known for their very good programmers and coders. Yeah. Um, for Techica, yes. Um, what I, my expectation of Techica is really be a, a collecting um, incubator or a collecting role, uh, a bridge as it is, um, to collect different coding um, seeing to each other. That's why I went to Israel to visit um, the incubators, also to visit Shikos, which is the biggest women tech community in Israel. Because I wanted to learn and also wanted to maybe bring some insights that I had from China to Israel and also to bring back some new things that's happening uh, that we haven't been aware of. So I think my mission completed. And I would like it to continue uh, as it runs uh, now organically to be more connective and to attract more coders to China to look into what we are working on and also to bring more girls to look outside to see what are coders like those um, very famous coders from Russia (laughs) to to focus on or to at least have a look at what they are doing and they will be stimulated or maybe to be encouraged because we, we think about women coders, they're not only being a coder but entrepreneurs themselves. So they might have an idea, so they start with coding and they want to make the idea into a, a applicable business plan. So this is like a step one. 
So maybe connecting to more markets, to more different um, business environment would help them in like a large sense. Yeah. So this is my expectation. Uh, but for Hicks, uh, as for now, we're still focusing on domestic market. So I would stay still like narrow and you might call it, but this market is really not narrow. It's like big enough for us for now. But maybe as we are growing bigger and bigger to accomplish our ultimate goal is to create, provide this platform, this tool for each individual to help them with a lifelong learning. I would like to include more markets and possibly even attract more international talents. As you said, then let's talk more about future and the question that concerns the youth today. In your opinion, in the years to come, will coding still be something of an add-on skill and limited to certain job positions or become a more common requirement on the job market? It's, I would say it's already a common skill that is required in our job market in China. And also you will be applied to a fundamental education. It's not like a wheel, like a, a future present. It's, um, it's already happening. That's why if you look at those coding, uh, coding companies, teaching kids coding, Bianchen uh, Mao is called a coding cat. Uh, and like Chestnut Coding, companies like that, they just raise like a crazy amount of money because people are look, they look in the market and believe this is huge mm-hmm. and kids need to learn coding and the, the schools they're also being the advocate and they want kids to think more logically and coding is a good way to achieve that so um, all in one is it's inevitable and it's happening and it will soon apply to adults field and it's also booming by the way Uh, there are a lot of like companies raising money and, and doing this adult coding advanced pro, uh, program or workshop or even class, online class, offline class, because we see need. As I just mentioned, this is because of my coding program that I could do my job so much more effectively and I could deliver a proper performance and result like using my logic thinking, my multitasking, uh, problem solving skills. And that's all essential and that all comes from my experience of learning coding. So uh, I would say it will help a lot from my personal experience and we'll see more stories and we'll see that if you are getting this gasoline uh, of your job, doing this or learning one new skill that's trendy will definitely help you a lot. As I know, TechiCat provides online and offline events, yeah. not only in Beijing, but also in other provinces like Shenzhen. Yeah, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have volunteer attending in different cities. Okay, yeah. so how the people like me, you know, can reach out to TechiCat? Mm-hmm. And do you have like official WeChat account? Yes. Well, we are now more of an offline and planned uh, schedule. So um, you can just reach out to me and I will let you know and what's going on because we were pretty active, um, I would say two years ago, one, two years ago, but now more of a running by its own region. 
So if you're like uh, in Beijing, I would like to apply like another gathering or offline workshop or just like sharing seminar. We would just sit together and give each other support or more like uh, coding skills even. More as we say, 干货 like dry goods. <laughs> and also, we have a online、uh, official WeChat account.、Uh, just search Techie Cat, and I believe you'll find it. But again, it's all about. I would say community consists of、um, spirit and stories. So、uh, I would still、uh, like to hear more stories, and we would like to share the stories to more women. Maybe they're like still hesitating, or they're thinking about leaving the industry, and that would be helpful. Thank you. Any opportunities you want to share with our SEO wide audience? How could they engage with or take part in your projects?、Um, I would definitely like to know more about the what's what's happening at the K twelve、uh, infrastructure education, like especially like mathematics and physics. And know how people think of our product, so everyone is welcome to come to visit our office and to have a try of our product. And also, I'd like to talk to、um, different like scholars,、uh, scholar members, and to know like whichever country you're coming from, what's the、uh, education mapping over there, and how kids are getting educated, and how they design their education path. Is it designed by the parents? Or designed by schools, or by government, or by themselves. We'd like to know more about the inside motivation for every individual. Why you're learning, and why you are getting new things, observing new things, and are you still aware, or I do you think this is useful that you learn from the schools, and what tool could effectively help you to improve your learning efficiency? That's all useful information. And also, I'd like to see more women, for sure, to be engaged in、uh, tech scene. No matter what job you're taking, maybe you're doing marketing, but with this coding skills, you still make you do it so much better. And the second thing is, um, learning coding is actually learning a new language. And we all know, knowing different language will help you think differently. That's one thing that will shape your mind. So this is some、um, the stories that I'm like. Still very eager to know, to collect, and maybe to talk to more women and see how you see yourself and how you see technology will apply to your work scene. My advice is in China, everything is possible. So if there's no, you get on the table. There's always a yes under the table. So don't be stopped by the no. That's obvious. Try to find that hidden. No, a hidden yes, and that because there's always a way and there's always a leeway. Just takes a little bit of a detour. Thank you very much for this inspiring speech and also the whole interview. I really enjoyed the interview with you, and I do really hope that our audience will also be motivated, you know, to step up from the comfort zone、yeah. and to learn coding. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm.、Uh, I just can't wait to see that. <laughs> And can't wait to make more friends from scholars.、Mm-hmm. This is like a fascinating platform. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.